The reading for the day comes from Exodus 15, 1 through 3, and 20 through 21. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for an overflowing victory. Horse and rider he threw into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my power. He has become my salvation. This is my God whom I will praise, the God of my ancestors whom I will acclaim. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand. All the women followed her, playing tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang the refrain back to them. Sing to the Lord for an overflowing victory. Horse and rider he threw into the sea. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm one of your pastors here at Zao. We are in our final week of the sermon series, Pack Light, which we began in January. We preached all through January on this idea of packing light based on the Exodus story, understanding what it meant to prepare to go into freedom. And now, as we enter February, I think it's officially 2021 now, yeah? We're like in it. We are in month number two. Things are already happening. And when we started, we talked about how we may be in one of two camps. Perhaps we were in the like, new year, new you, amazing possibilities camp. And maybe you were in the same old, same old, this is a never-ending loop of despair camp, or somewhere in between. But hopefully now, as we are entering more deeply into 2021, this series, this collective conversation we've been having together, um, is helping us to have one foot in the world as it is and one foot in the world as it ought to be. Understanding that we can actually anticipate a hopeful new future. We can say, 2021, here I come, and be in the reality of our suffering and oppression here and now. This is a deeply Christian concept of the kingdom already and not yet. I bring it um, through my experience as an organizer as well. We really talked in community organizing um, about the importance of having one, one part of yourself oriented to the world as it is and one in the world that it ought to be. It's actually the meaning of, of one of my tattoos, living in that in-between space that says, hey, <laughs> The world as it is is real, and I need to acknowledge that. The pain that I experience is real. The suffering, the oppression, we're not going to be able to fight those things unless we take a serious good look at them. But we will be trapped if that's all we can see. If we can't also anticipate and have a, a good half of our being in the world to come, in the kingdom that is promised by God. And this is what it means to always be thoughtful about how we pack for the future. Uh, a life in motion on a journey towards freedom, knowing that we are moving from a space of captivity into liberation, acknowledging that captivity that we are still caught up in, that is still chasing us down, that is still oppressing and keeping us, and also acknowledging the freedom into which we are invited, the call from God into something new, the hope we have as we journey together on this path and the glimpses of that reality, that kingdom, that hope, that heaven even, that we see here and now 
even in the midst of all the mess. The idea of packing light is about being thoughtful about what serves us on that journey. It's about preparing to move through our lives with intention, present to the realities of our struggle, and bringing with us the things that will lead us into liberation, but leaving behind the things that are calling us back into captivity. Now this story, the Exodus story, one of the most important stories in our tradition. It has so many components. And at any given point, you may find yourself at a different place in the story. Maybe you're feeling like you're in the midst of the plagues, feeling so captive to the forces of this world, like the Hebrew people who were enslaved under Egyptian pharaohic rule and also subject to those plagues. Or perhaps you're in a moment acting as a midwife, finding subversive ways to align yourself with your fellow oppressed by directly disobeying the laws and expectations of those in power. Or perhaps you're preparing for your future escape. Perhaps you have the hope in your heart. The message has come. Now is a time for movement, but you must pack quickly and quietly in the night. You must think and dream but also prepare in very practical ways for what is to come and what your escape will require of you. Or perhaps you're on the road with the people and the oppressors are pursuing you from behind and you are unsure whether it is better to side with those on the path towards freedom or those in Pharaoh's kingdom who govern a cruel but, let's be honest, stable world. Or... Maybe you're in a moment of being in the midst of the miracles of God, walking through the Red Sea on dry, dry land, watching water pour forth from a rock in the desert, or being nourished by the manna that somehow comes from God, provided miraculously from the heavens every day. Or maybe you are wandering in the desert right now, wondering why this is taking so long, hot and tired, and ultimately giving up and worshiping the image of our own culture or control, because worshiping God just doesn't feel worth it anymore. Or worse yet, perhaps you are in the part of the story where we abuse our freedom to simply recreate the evils of Pharaoh's Egypt with us on top in the domination structures. This is the beauty and power of the Exodus story and one of the reasons that it is so central and retold so many times. It describes these different aspects of our reality that we move in and out of over and over, many times a day, many times in our life. And the ones that I've just listed are only from the perspective of the Hebrew people. As Cameron likes to point out, in these stories, often that's actually not the most appropriate role to imagine yourself in. Because whether you are listening today as an American in a world dominated by the American empire, or as a white person in a system of white supremacy, or as a person without disabilities, or as a man, or as a straight person, or a cis person, or someone who is neurotypical. Some aspects, or perhaps many aspects, of your experience align more with the Egyptians than with the Hebrews. 
So let's revisit the story beat by beat from the Egyptian point of view. Are you in the part of the story where slavery and oppression are just normalized parts of your day? Where you learned to ignore the pain of others because the systems around you are simultaneously so overwhelming that they feel impossible to change and also give you shallow, continuous benefits and reward your silence? Are you caught in the middle? Are you feeling like an average Egyptian trying to live through a plague brought on by the sins of people more powerful than you, but also knowing that there are enslaved Hebrews who are being harmed at a much more devastating level? Are you a member of Pharaoh's army, probably conscripted against your will, to be weaponized against people more vulnerable than you are? You too are facing a choice at the Red Sea about who your allegiance lies with and what you're really willing to risk. All of us, all of us have some level of connection to each aspect of the story from the perspective of the Israelites, from the perspective of the Egyptians, from all the various power positions because we are all overlapping identities of power, privilege, oppression, and pain. And this, if you'll indulge me for a moment to speak of one of the loves of my life, is why we read the Bible. Why the Bible carries so much weight and power. Why it is beautiful and worth meditating on. You are in this story. So many parts of your life are reflected in this story. And it is an invitation to sit with the history of humanity with the history of God and God's people, and to ask, how in this moment, when I am not alone, and people have been here before, can I be faithful? Now, in order to ask that question truly, we have to be honest about where we are in the story. Not your fantasy about where you are, but your reality. Can I be honest with myself about where I am in this moment? and what I'm facing? And how, in that position, can I be faithful? Again, this doesn't remain static. It's not like you're one character or one person or one moment in the story, and that defines your life. We actually move through this often. You may feel one, one way on Tuesday and realize you're in a totally different position on Thursday. You may be in one space, in one relationship in your life, and realize that power or history or uh, feelings have put you in a totally different position in a different relationship. And so we are invited to move fluidly through the story, always with the ultimate movement toward freedom, moving from captivity under Pharaoh, whether we are Pharaoh, the captive, or the complicit, into freedom, where the seas are crashing down on the forces of evil, where we emerge in the desert, journey not over, but moving ever onward and toward liberation, a liberation that even in this story we cannot yet fully imagine because we have not, as a people, arrived at the kingdom that Jesus is calling us to. Wherever we are, we know that because this is a journey, we had better pack light. We don't need to be burdened down with the heaviness of things that don't serve us 
We need to be nimble and mobile. We need to find ways to come along in whatever way we are capable of. And it's going to look different for each of us. We all move in different ways. But the baggage that ties us down is everywhere. The world we live in actually wants us to remain pretty much where we are at in any given moment. And so, as we prepare for liberation, as we rebel against the systems that are the status quo, every choice we make about what we bring with us into the next point of our story is a choice towards freedom or towards captivity. And we want to make sure that we pack with intention. And as we talked about the very first week of this series, there is another thing that we bring with us, which is hope. Hope that things can be different in the future. A trust that God is at work in the world. A memory that God is with us. And an embrace of a prophetic imagination that says that the pain that we endure is not all there is, but there is more to come. Now, many religious communities have said that the place that we put our hope is in heaven. But my understanding of Jesus is that heaven is something we pursue in this life, that we don't wait for death to have our hopes and dreams fulfilled, that we pursue it with all we are and everything we have, this hope that things can be made right here and now and in eternity. And so we bring the hope that a new world is possible. Right along with it is this final lesson from this week and this week's scripture. This week we are called to bring with us tambourines. Yes, you heard that right. I said tambourines, but actually the English translators of the Hebrew Bible maybe didn't hear it right. Our texts say that Miriam and the Hebrew women, as they were marching across the bottom of the sea, Pharaoh's army to one side, the seas parted. Now, this is not a quick journey. The sea is large. And so when God parts the sea, it's not like they all jaunt over, you know, sprinting and they're over to the other side in eight minutes. This is a long journey. They are walking across the bottom of a sea to get to the other side. And as they walk, as they marvel at the walls of water, as they peer at the, the sea life, which is visible to them in these walls of water as they feel the sand and silt and rocks at the bottom of the sea beneath their feet. As they march, surely to keep ahead of Pharaoh, whose army is pursuing them at their back. As they do all of this, Miriam and the Hebrew women played their tambourines. Now, the translators were right that they were using percussion instruments. But the Hebrew word tof, T-O-F, a more accurate understanding of that word would be a hand drum. And so Miriam and the rest of the Hebrew women, if you'd like to imagine this with me, as they are marching in towards freedom, as they are in the middle of this massive miracle, as they are in awe of the walls of water protecting them, guiding them, and as they are still fleeing into freedom, 
but they see the other side and they see God's plan and they see God's miracle and they feel God's provision that the world is shifting beneath their feet in order to make way where there was no way. They have formed a drum circle, a drum line. They have marched miraculously through the sea out of captivity into freedom, drumming and singing and dancing. Remarkably, these folks did not have a lot of time to pack, and they had to choose what they wanted to bring on their very backs for this journey. They didn't have time to leaven their bread. They packed really light, only bringing the essentials for their escape in the night. And so what did the women choose to bring as essential for this escape journey? They brought with them the literal instruments of liberation and joy. They anticipated God's miracle. They didn't know about the Red Sea yet. It hadn't happened. They didn't know about the manna coming from the sky. That hadn't happened yet either. And they hadn't yet seen the water pour forth from a rock in the desert. But their anticipation of God's provision and miracles, their anticipation of victory, their anticipation of joy and celebration, led them each to choose to bring with them the tools of worship, the tools of celebration, the tools of music and creativity and joy to bring this essential item, their drums carried on their backs to make the music of worship, to beat the rhythms of liberation, to move the community, to sing and dance their way into freedom. Leading this pack was the prophet Miriam. Now the scriptures name Miriam as the sister of Aaron, which also makes her the sister of Moses. Some Jewish traditions actually name Miriam and her mother as the crafty midwives, the Hebrew midwives, that were helping to save the infants that Pharaoh wanted murdered. We know she was also part of the scheme to rescue Moses by putting him in a reed basket and sending him up the river. She negotiated with Pharaoh's daughter to make her mother the wet nurse of Moses and keep their family intact in some wild, creative way. Years later, it is said that she is the one, the prophet, the poet, who composed the lyrics to the hymns of liberation recorded in the book of Exodus, some of the earliest theology of liberation we have. And here she was, leading God's people with her two brothers and with a whole host of women drumming the beat of liberation and joy out of captivity and into freedom, singing and dancing the whole way. Miriam is a hero of the faith uniquely positioned for liberation. Her name carries a lot of meaning. Mar, the first part of her name, means bitterness. It is a reminder that she was acutely aware of the pain of captivity, that she didn't come out of this unscathed, she actually saw much more of that pain directly than did her brother Moses, who gets a lot more airtime. She endured the bitterness of captivity, 
but that also allowed her to fulfill the other part of her name. Because another part of the root of Miriam means rebellion. Miriam caught the spirit of rebellion. She tasted the bitterness of oppression, but she knew there was a different way and that it was worth rebelling against the system that was in order to move and dance and drum her way into freedom. She endured that pain, but she held hope. She saw through her existence in captivity into the liberation, and she knew that rebellion was the path to there. She connected those parts of her life through poetry and music and drums, these instruments of liberation, because she wasn't drumming for the first time at the, at the bottom of the Red Sea. This was something she had done her whole life, probably with those very same women. She had drummed and danced and sang songs of liberation and hope for in her entire life. These songs that were given to her ancestors, sung to her by her aunties, her mother. But she had also grown from her own experience, bringing new wisdom into the world. She was a prophet after all. She could see the connection between the lullabies that her mother would sing to her and the call toward freedom that her God had promised. I'd like to read you a quote right now about Miriam and her songs. Over the decades, her mother's lullabies had matured into anthems of freedom inside her, now finding their fullest, truest expression. It was the longing of all the midwives and mothers together, past and present, crying out for shalom that saturated each stanza. Miriam sang of reversal, grown men tossed into the sea instead of infant sons, of God's mighty arm strong to save, if a bit slow for her liking. That excerpt is from Defiant, What the Women of Exodus Teach Us About Freedom by Kelly Nukundea. And um, it's really good, you guys. This book is great, and there are so many women in this story. This story that we will be revisiting over and over again because it is an essential in our faith. And if you would like to be a part of a Zao-led conversation about these women, about the freedom and hope and liberation of Exodus, join um, this season of Echo. On Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, we have Echo, our kind of small group format. And um, for this season of Echo, we're going to be using this book as a guide. And it begins this, this season, this week, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Um, if you're interested, you can always find the event page uh, on our main Facebook page. But you can also drop a comment right here and now, just letting us know you're interested, and we will send you an invite directly. You don't have to read the book or have the book yet. Um, so if you're like, ooh, maybe I do want this book, um, and you can't get it by Wednesday, no big deal. The Echo Space is actually designed um, to be as accessible as possible, and so um, the group leaders will have read it, and we encourage you to read it. Um, but if you don't or can't, then the space is still designed to include you completely. So um, yeah, one final plug for the Defiant Zhao book study during Echo this season, um, starting this Wednesday.
But Miriam, who plays such an important role in the Exodus narrative, and there are so many people who are involved in the Exodus narrative that we didn't get to talk about this series at all. She prepared for liberation in the midst of captivity. She and the other women who drummed, they knew that worship and praise and dance and joy were essential. They made the active choice to anticipate joy because I'm sure they needed to sacrifice something to make room for the drums in their life. They created patterns of music and worship in their lives, anticipating the day when those hopes would be fulfilled. They may have been practicing, they may have been learning those drumming patterns, those dances, those songs. They may have been composing them, the songs of joy and victory, at a time where they felt more panic or pain than joy. But they knew a moment would come and in this way, joy is a choice. Not happiness, I want to really distinguish that. In our culture, we tend to conflate the two, joy and happiness. Happiness is a feeling, an emotion, something that moves through our body, and it's great. I love being happy, y'all. But joy is something else. Joy is more an orientation than a feeling. Joy is a deliberate set of choices about how to approach the world we live in. And while happiness, the feeling, comes and goes, we can choose to prepare our hearts for joy, even in the midst of incredible pain. It doesn't make the pain go away. But it does create room in our life for hope. It does create room in our life for joy and worship, for celebration, even in the midst of pain. This is the art that Miriam and the drumming women must have perfected in order to learn their craft so that when the time came, when the seas were parted, when they were moving into freedom in this miraculous way, the instincts of their spirits and bodies and voices and hands came out into the drumming and the dancing and the hope. We have an opportunity to look for joy, to anticipate it, to prepare for what is to come, to know that a time will come that we can sing and dance and praise God, even if that moment feels far away. It is wisdom to know that liberation without drums and dancing is not worth having. And so if we want the liberation that is held in celebration of freedom, we must prepare and practice now. How are we practicing? How are we preparing for the joy of liberation? What are we willing to give up now to make room for it? Can we carry on our backs the instruments of liberation and worship? We are invited to practice joy even in moments of pain and oppression so that when the sea parts, and our bodies begin to move. The dancing and music and drumming is second nature. As a collective body, this is one of the facets of our worship. When we praise God, even when we don't feel like it, when we sing songs of hope and joy, even when all seems lost, 
We are practicing. We are remembering the promises of God. We are packing our tambourines or our hand drums or whatever is our instrument of choice. We are choosing to bring out drums, the rhythms of joy and liberation. We are holding that tension of already and not yet. Of all the things that Miriam the prophet could have chosen to lead her people into God's freedom, she chose a hand drum and the movements of her feet and arms and voice as she danced and sang. When we pack, we too must pack with hope and bring with us patterns of music, of poetry, of art, that prophetic worship into the future is a gateway between what is and what is to come so that when we arrive, we recognize it and we can live in it fully with joy. Will you pray with me? God of all creation, you know our pain and perhaps better than we do, you know our joy. We miss it in glimpses and moments because we are so tied to the world as it is. But God, you know it. Teach us to recognize. Teach us to dance when we can. Teach us to drum the beat of liberation and joy and celebration. Teach us to anticipate the party that is coming and to have a party in every moment that merits it. These moments where the kingdom is already as we move into the kingdom to come. God, you are good. May our lives reflect your goodness, your joy, and your celebration. Amen.